Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the ninth day of September now, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Call. And let's start off our look at the holiday shortened, although it's not a biblical holiday for sure, first week in September with a War on America update. By the way, if you check your constitution, you'll see that making war on America has another constitutional term that's often used, treason. And no surprise, right at the top of that feeded heap, as we've come to learn, especially of late, you'll almost certainly find the FBI. This is a piece from Jim Hoft and Kara Costa-Nuovo via the Gateway Pundit. And it's an exclusive, they say, about how the FBI created 3,200 of its so-called playing cards. Remember what they did with Saddam Hussein and the Ace of Spades to identify and surveil? No, not actual terrorists, although the Biden Fuhrer is going to tell you differently. Real Americans who attended, thinking that they still had a right to petition their government for a redress of grievance. Ha ha, weren't they deadly wrong? Anyway, they attended the J6 protests, and now they're using that same system to target Trump supporters and other enemies of the state that was once used to target different enemies of the state during the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Yeah, begins the story, if you don't remember, the U.S. Department of Defense, back when they at least had a pretense of working towards American defense, released a set of playing cards with the names and faces of the most wanted Iraqi members of Saddam Hussein's government, including high-ranking members of the Ba'ath Party and family members like his two sons. The U.S. Department of Defense used those playing cards to identify and capture what were called then America's enemies, dangerous members of Saddam Hussein's inner circle, which was a clever way to capture and kill so-called enemies of the state. But in May 2021, the FBI arrested one Eric Douglas Clark, a Marine veteran from Louisville, Kentucky, and they spent tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars and resources to track down, spy on, surveil, and arrest Eric for the crime of walking inside the United States Capitol. How dare he on January 6th, peacefully leaving the Capitol just minutes later. And he told the Gateway Pundit that he didn't even see any violence the entire time he was inside the U.S. Capitol. But, says the interview here, During the discussion, Eric dropped a bombshell that left us stunned. He'd been given access, because he's representing himself, pro se, to 14,000 hours of original government footage from January 6th, and he told us that the clandestine system the government's using to identify actual Americans who innocently walked into the Capitol on that fated day was government playing cards. According to Eric, the FBI has created about 3,200 of these so-called playing cards, they call it baseball, to identify and target enemies of the biden Fuhrer state. They use facial recognition software. He said it's called baseball. So he said when they spit in their photos, their video, and they set up their parameters, it spits out what they call those baseball cards. So he said, I'm in this database, and I'm looking through these baseball cards, and there's about 3,200 people in there. Among those 3,200 people are are all the people we know of that have been so far arrested. Wow, said Jim Hoft. So they have 3,200 baseball cards that they've spit out? Yeah, about 3,200. He said I didn't count them. But going by the number of pages and the number of cards on each page, I think that's a fair estimate. And each one, asked Hoff, is an individual, right? A specific individual. Yes, said Eric Clark. You click on that card, it gives you sort of their statistics, like maybe some clips of footage that they plan on using, maybe the special agents investigating the surveillance schedule even, like days and times they plan on surveilling these people. And all this, he said, which I wouldn't discuss, but it's all there. And also, sort of this main file with all their requests for funding the FBI. 
says Jim Hoff, that's really big, Eric. I hadn't heard it. Okay, but these cards, it's reminiscent of the Iraq playing cards that were created during the Iraq War. Enemies of America at the time, they put out those playing cards. So now you're saying it appears that they have the very same sort of a system for patriotic Americans that they're after and will be arresting, which is very, very concerning, said Hoft. The government has labeled protesters who went through open doors and were welcomed by police as enemies of the state. So, he said, I think Americans need to wake up to that because they're now labeling fellow Americans as enemies of this government, and we have Republicans and Democrats both giving them funding to do. Very, very concerning, Eric. It's outrageous, actually. And you know what, folks? I can't help but think, as I was finishing this story, it occurred to me, if Americans got together, or say, prominent conservative-leaning alternative news organizations like the Gateway Pundit, went out and put pictures of FBI agents and directors, like, say, Whoremeister-in-Chief Ray, or former Whoremeisters like Andy McCabe or Jim Comey, on playing cards, and gave them labels like the Ace of Spades, what do you bet that they would have a knock on their, no, not a knock on their door. What do you bet their door be busted down at three in the morning and they'd be hauled off in chains or killed on the spot? And ask yourself just who really is the enemy of the state? Or at least this is clear. Who is the Gestapo for it? With all that on the table, this story is certainly interesting. Maybe even raises a few eyebrows perhaps just because of the source here, which is the Daily Mail out of the U.K., telling us that the Fulton County Grand Jury, remember that particularly evil, fetid cesspool? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Well, they found a bunch of leftist idiots, put them on a grand jury, and got them to indict a ham sandwich. Well, no, actually, even more idiotic than that, a president they hate because he won the election there. But now the Daily Mail is reporting there just might be a little bit of a stinkeroo here. The Fulton County Grand Jury, they say, recommended charges against other people, too. Besides just Donald Trump himself and many of his advisors who recognized an election theft when they saw it. Say what? Yeah, they also recommended charges against none other than Senator Lindsey Graham, rhino chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee and alleged Trump supporter in the Georgia election case, according to new court filings that showed up on Friday. But that's not all. The jurors also recommended charges against General Michael Flynn, who served as National Security Advisor to Donald Trump until they managed to take him out early, along with two former Georgia Republican senators, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, and a few others that most people haven't heard of. Says the Daily Mail, it's unclear why none of them were charged and what charges they may have faced. I think it's pretty clear, folks, even if they're not going to tell us, especially when it comes to the likes of a Lindsey Graham. If you start charging all the rhinos with equally bogus charges, not only are people more likely to see through the obvious, but some of the worst of the worst on the rhino side might start asking themselves questions like, hey, just exactly what did I get for selling out? Here's the telling quote from Rhino Lindsay. Over the summer, he told reporters, this is ridiculous. This weaponization of the law needs to stop. Adding that we need to make sure people like me can do their jobs without fear of some county prosecutor coming after you. Sounds like somebody had to set these morons straight, or at least that would be your host's opinion. After all, if people sell out their country and don't get what they thought they had coming to them, well, you may not get the cooperation you need to keep your narrative intact for the next round. Jesse Waters' prime time on Fox News had Dr. Rand Paul on Tuesday evening. He was asked about the asinine lie masquerading as a misnomer, popular with the anti-human genocidal left, called gender-affirming care, which means injecting kids with drugs so that you can cut off their genitalia and ruin the rest of their lives. 
We've got a controversy going on in this in Kentucky right now in our governor's race. Our Democrat incumbent, Andy Bashir has said, well, you know, I'm not really for the surgery, but it doesn't really happen in Kentucky. Well, then we got a letter from the University of Kentucky saying, yeah, they have been doing surgery, this reassignment surgery on children, on minors, and he was caught in a lie. But they are running with their hair on fire away from this. They're like, oh, we just want the gender-affirming stuff, maybe a few pills here and there, but not the surgery. But he vetoed the bill that would have stopped the surgery. And our Republican legislature overrode him. And Daniel Cameron is fighting this out in a battle there. But you're right. The Democrats kind of want to call it something that it's not. They got really mad at me in a committee hearing when I called it genital mutilation. You know, universally around the world, we've been opposed to this. We were opposed to it in Africa when they were doing it. We, the UN, everybody was working to stop it. And now we have the opposite. We have clinics set up where we're affirming this and encouraging this to happen to our children. It doesn't work. It is a mutilation. It destroys their urinary tract system. It gives them no sexual pleasure as adults. It's a terrible, terrible thing to let your child do or to have anybody do to your child. And it really shouldn't happen. Which is why the left is not only pushing it, but threatening to take children away from their parents if they won't let their minor children be groomed and then destroyed. Oh, yeah. And in the spirit of the theme, think about it. Isn't that kind of like making war on Americans or at least trying to destroy their children? Some folks, at least back when we were a free country, would say that's certainly an incitement toward it. And if the deep state isn't waging war on Americans itself, and when is that not happening, at least they're still trying to incite others to do so on their behalf. There's talks, as a piece from Michael Snyder at the end of the American Dream, in Russia about hitting targets in the U.S., this time because they believe nuclear war. Thank you, Biden Fuhr. More appropriately, those that are pulling his puppet strings. Anyway, nuclear war has become inevitable, they say, and most Americans, he begins, have absolutely no idea just how close we are to that nuclear war they've been jonesing for. Politicians, those that you can tell when they're lying because their lips are moving, confidently assure us that the World War III that they began in Iraq will no, never spark an actual nuclear conflict. And the waste media, at least in the Western world, rarely talks about such a scenario. But over in Russia, says Snyder, things are completely different. They regard the war in Ukraine as, well, what it is, an existential conflict. In other words, it would end Russia unless they fight back between Russia and NATO. And there's constant talk on Russian television about the possibility or even probability of nuclear war. And Harry says this is the latest example I've come across. It's a piece from Newsweek that says a Kremlin propagandist has issued the latest nuclear threat against the West regarding the war in Ukraine, warning that the U.S. could be in danger of a Russian missile attack. Igor Korochenko, editor of the newspaper National Defense and a regular guest on Russia's Channel One, where guests have repeatedly called for strikes against Ukraine's allies, took exception to the criticism of Russian conduct in the war. And he openly talked about a first strike, which would involve hitting, quote, targets on the territory of the United States of America. The most important message, he said, we should send to the Americans is that we will not wage war with you in Europe. This was a clip posted on X, the site formerly known as Twitter, by Ukrainian internal affairs advisor Anton Garashenko. Quote, in response to your attacks on Russian military or civilian facilities, the first strike will be a preventative limited strike against targets on the territory of the United States of America. Unquote. He told the anchor Yevgeny Popov of their 60-minute show. Last week, Russia announced that its Sarmat missile system, which can reach the U.S., had now been put on active duty.
But all of that, says Michael Snyder, is kind of tame compared to what retired Major General Alexander Vladimirov is saying. He's the author of Russia's War Bible and is entirely convinced that a nuclear war involving the United States and Russia has now become, his word, inevitable. And this piece, courtesy of the Daily Mail this time, says that the chilling forecast came from retired Major General Alexander Vladimirov, who penned Russia's three-volume book entitled The General Theory of War. And Snyder asked the question, why didn't this make headlines all over the USA? As if we couldn't guess. Hey, there's an election be rigged, folks. Major General Vladimirov went on to warn that, quote, I am sure that nuclear weapons will be used in this war, inevitably, and from this, neither we nor the enemy have anywhere to go. The sooner our politicians and leadership realize this, he continued, the sooner we start to train troops and the population for this, the more chances we will have for survival, which means victory, unquote. Which, says Snyder, and this is a voice in the wilderness, folks, is why so many of us have been advocating for a peaceful solution in Ukraine. Well, one thing is pretty clear by now, that is not even remotely in the deep state or in either of the two wings of that same evil bird of praise game plan. I'm going to continue to do what I have been, and that's skipping over the war details. A, because most of the time there are lies. We know the truth is the first casualty of war. And B, because the truth really isn't very popular anyway, and that is that Ukraine and those who are backing it are getting their heads handed to them. The so-called Ukrainian offensive, by any objective observer, is pretty much an unmitigated disaster. The Russian defenses, says Michael Snyder, are extremely well prepared. Tens of thousands of Ukrainian men have already been sent to slaughter during fruitless attempts to break through Russian lines, while the Russians are meanwhile making significant gains on the eastern front. And Harry quotes a piece from War News 24-7 that says, quote, It's no coincidence that Kiev forces in the Kharkiv region, with the support of the SBU, or Security Service of Ukraine, kind of like their FBI, it seems, conduct door-to-door walks in the territory, and almost all men, even the elderly, are being mobilized. That's a polite word for uh, course, or how about do it or die, into the ranks of Ukrainian formations. Trouble is, says Snyder, the Ukrainians are running out of warm bodies, and at this point they're getting very desperate, and as you know, desperate people do desperate things. Meanwhile, he writes, the war with China just keeps getting closer and closer, and this week the Biden regime announced an $80 million military weapons package for Taiwan under a program typically saved for sovereign nations. That's interesting. According to a notification sent to uh, what now passes for Congress on Tuesday. Funding from U.S. taxpayers will be used to, quote, strengthen Taiwan's self-defense capabilities through joint and combined defense capability and enhance maritime domain awareness and maritime security capability, unquote, wrote the department in their notification to Congress that was reviewed by CNN. Obviously, the move infuriated the communist Chinese whose foreign ministry on Thursday expressed strong dissatisfaction and firm opposition to the arms sale, which is said had harmed China's sovereignty and security interests and undermined, ha, say it with me folks, peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. So basically, stop doing that, said Wang Wenbin the Chinese ministry spokesperson, during a regular news conference. Well, ever since the Biden Fuhrer absconded with the White House, Michael Snyder notes that the regime has been, quote, endlessly provoking both the Russians and the Chinese. Which is kind of ironic, folks, since communist China pretty well owns the regime anyway, but there are, of course, appearances to keep up. And let's not forget this. 
In the process, Russia and China have been driven closer together, which may be the real point anyway. And now it's true that the Russians, he writes, are actually proposing North Korea, too, should be included in their upcoming joint naval exercises in the Indo-Pacific. From MSN.com and via Yonhap News, according to that South Korean news agency, South Korea's National Intelligence Service revealed a proposal to lawmakers at a closed-door briefing on Monday alleging that Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu offered a show of alliance to North Korea during his meeting with Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un in July. And just this past weekend, Russia's ambassador to North Korea, Alexander Matsugora, told Russian media that it seems, quote, appropriate to include North Korea in joint military drills between Russia and China. So, writes Snyder, isn't it obvious? The stage has now been set for the hot phase of World War III, even though most Americans, true to form, still remain clueless about all of this. With all that on the table, this is certainly interesting, although perhaps not even remotely surprising given the incompetence, or worse, that we've seen from the regime that seems to want America dead, buried, and utterly destroyed, or maybe just occupied by communist China, although I wouldn't be surprised if they give Alaska to Russia. Hal Turner's radio show links to a map showing the locations of various United States carrier strike groups dated September 5th of 2023, including the Gerald R. Ford, Ronald Reagan, USS Carl Vinson, the Nimitz, Theodore Roosevelt, you know most of the other names. Here's the interesting point. Ten out of the eleven are all at their home ports, mostly either San Diego, California or Norfolk, Virginia. Only one of them is currently at sea. That's the Gerald R. Ford underway in the Mediterranean. But the obvious question is asked, why is the United States Navy leaving its country unprotected like this? I guess if you look and see that they're teaching transgenderism and other BS in place of actual war preparations, you have at least part of the answer. The rest seems to be, yeah, all the better to be easily taken out. Guess which targets the regime is double-dog daring Russia to hit? Over the last few days, we've seen example after graphic example of how the Soviet-American deep state intends to make an example of anybody that dares to challenge them. And in the process, they want to prove that the court system is just as far gone as the concept of the Bill of Rights is. They're, of course, also lathering up the hypocrisy. Selwyn Duke, writing for The New American, says, This is certainly not unprecedented. Leftist Maximilian Robespierre, remember him? The French Revolution's main author, was a passionate opponent of capital punishment, at least when it didn't apply to anybody that he wanted dead. He called the death penalty a, quote, cowardly assassination, then went on to execute thousands during the Reign of Terror before they, of course, did it to him. Likewise, the liberals of decades ago frowned upon any kind of punishment, but especially capital, saying that it, quote, doesn't work and is, oh, get this, morally wrong. But boy, have they ever changed. Now, Maximilian Frenchie style, the punishment's effectiveness is not only a self-evident truth to leftists, but it just plain can't be harsh enough. Well, at least as long as it's the right people, pun intended, that are being punished. A good example of late, the recent sentencing of Proud Boy, January 6th defendants, one of the latest of whom, Joe Biggs, got 17 years for an incident in which, quote, no one was killed, no property was significantly damaged, nothing was set on fire, nobody whipped out a gun, nobody got taken hostage, and no mass casualties were strewn in the street. As commentator Monica Showalter put it Friday. But in contrast, notes Selwyn Duke, Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters, even if they kill people, set things on fire and, uh, you know, generally just cause lots of real mayhem, those rioters routinely get off with minor or often no charges. 
The Hill reports that Joe Biggs had the book, as well as a few addenda thrown at him, writing that the Florida Army veteran and proud boy was sentenced to 17 years in prison, the second highest sentence yet handed down to anyone convicted, sick, in connection with the so-called misnamed capital attack. Biggs was, quote, convicted of sedition and other serious felonies. The uh, story goes that he touched a fence, folks, and that's all that they could show in court, and I'm not kidding. Earlier this year, after being accused of leading members of the right-wing extremist group to the Capitol and talking with the first rioter that later breached police barricades just minutes before he acted. And are you listening to this stuff, folks? This is absolute police state Soviet-style bull you-know-what. The equivalent would be if you watched somebody get out of a car in front of a bank building and then they went in and robbed it after you'd already walked down the street and they came after you because the bank robber turned out to be an FBI agent on the payroll. That would be exculpatory information. You're not allowed to have that anymore. And sent you to jail, not just for bank robbery, but murder and seditious conspiracy because you knew what was going to happen. But wait a minute, that's not enough. Then they decide to enhance it later on by throwing terrorist charges on top, even though there's no real reason to. But hey, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And besides, we don't like your looks. And weren't you wearing a MAGA hat somewhere along the line? What do you bet there were other Proud Boys and probably lots of Americans that talked to some agent provocateurs, confidential human sources, and maybe even actual undercover FBI agents, but didn't know it on that fateful day? Well, they got you on a baseball card now, and don't worry, folks. Your taxpayer dollars at work, they're going to get everybody there that even dared to think that election wasn't the truest, freest, and fairest in all of human history. Also sentenced in the Soviet-style extravaganza Rema was Proud Boy Zachary Rell, ex-U.S. Marine. He got 15 years for a conviction of, quote, leading a mob towards the Capitol on January 6th. That was followed Friday by the draconian sentencing of two other Proud Boy figures, one-time leader Ethan Nordeen, who got 18 years in the federal gulag for seditious conspiracy. Ooh, he probably talked to somebody, too. And Dominic Pozzola, who got 10 years. I heard an interview over the weekend that Alex Jones did over the telephone from the prison with Joe Biggs, who probably got a sentence enhancement because they knew each other, and Joe Biggs actually once reported for InfoWars. It was, in fact, incredibly sad and quite interesting. One of the things that really caught my ear was how Joe Biggs reported that so many of the prison guards and other people that he met in his already three years of incarceration, just waiting for this fateful day, were actually a hell of a lot nicer to him than the so-called judge was. They told him things like, we know that what you did isn't deserving of being here. So they evidently, even though they were forced to keep him in solitary for about half of that time, were as nice as they could be otherwise. Even more interesting, though, people he met during prison transport to and from the so-called courthouse Murderers, in some cases, who told him, man, you got the short end of the stick. I killed somebody. I deserve to be here. And I'm getting a hell of a lot less time for doing that than you did. Something's wrong with the system. And remember, these are admitted self-described felons, gangbangers, murderers, who know that they were caught and they deserved what they got. Well, they probably deserved more than they got after they watched what he got. And they realized it and they told him, you'd have been better off raping somebody, killing somebody. You'd have gotten off a lot easier. In other words, folks, the rapists and murderers can see it and even come right out and admit it. Wow, this system sucks. I guess, says Selwyn Duke, if you've seen Les Miserables, 
that at least he didn't get quite as bad of a deal as Jean Valjean did. 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread. Well, no, maybe you could argue that uh, at least Jean Valjean actually did steal something. And he did do more than touch that loaf of bread. Unlike Joe Biggs, who touched a fence. When leftists do what they do, he suggests, seems like they get a hand. In other words, they get applause from the deep state. And I guess if you've been watching, yeah, they get a helping hand too. But conservatives, when they do what they actually didn't do, and what liberals often do instead, they get their head handed to them on a platter. And a dozen or two years in the federal Soviet gulag to boot. But still, folks, maybe the comparison with Jean Valjean and Les Mis is more accurate than we might want to believe. Because, after all, look what the French version of Big Brother was able to pull off in that same time frame. Or, uh, well, at least the parallels, the fact that history rhymes, shouldn't be lost on us. Which takes us now to the bottom of the hour break. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back now to the second segment of this evening. This is your host, Mark Hall. And as I was putting together the items for this segment, I couldn't help but think, hmm, tell me something I don't know. So many of these things we just keep hearing. But now at least there's a bit of a different way to look at them for reasons we'll talk about. We have talked about them before. It's just that now, if there's anything that's really different, it's that the waste stream is finally deciding, hey, we can't hide this stuff anymore. Might as well go ahead and fess up. Maybe we can spin it, though. Here's one obvious, easy example. We'll do this right up front and kind of get it out of the way. This is World War III, say some of the headlines, and even the NATO forces are finally starting to openly admit it. This time, though, it's the head of Ukraine's National Security and Defense Council that has claimed the Third World War is already underway. Gee, how long has this news show been saying that? With the Moscow-Kiev conflict pulling in countries far outside the region. Speaking at the Kiev Security Forum on Tuesday, Alexei Danilov argued that NATO needs Ukraine. As a member, oh yeah, that'll really make it go hot as global turbulence is set to continue. And they're going to keep pushing the button until somebody really decides to launch those nukes. We're going to strengthen the alliance, he insisted. If somebody thinks that World War III hasn't started, then that's a huge mistake. It has already begun, he said. It's been underway in a hybrid period for some time, and it's now entered an active phase, he said. And sitting right on stage beside former CIA Director General David Betraeus, uh, Petraeus, Danilov said, quote, if somebody thinks that it, meaning the conflict in Ukraine, is about settling the scores between Kiev and Moscow, that's a mistake. Things are much more complicated, unquote. And as other analysts have been noting, the African front has already been open, and it looks like the intent is to get that Asian front opened up real soon now. You can probably guess what might be next after that. 
in America with a K, the war on the Bill of Rights and certainly the rule of law, has not only been underway for a long time, it's almost all over but the shouting and the Civil War phase. Here's one of several cases in point, courtesy of Jim Hoft and the Gateway Pundit. Owen Schroyer of InfoWars, if you recall, pled guilty back in June to a single misdemeanor, a Class A misdemeanor. They called it entering and remaining in a restricted building, or as it turns out, outside the building even, i.e. the public building called the U.S. Capitol. On what else? January 6, 2021, a day that should live in infamy. The highly talented journalist, says TGP, was initially charged back in August 2021, eight months after remaining outside. He never actually entered the building on January 6th. But after nearly two years of fighting bogus charges related to his mere presence outside the U.S. Capitol on that date, Owen made the decision, and this is probably a mistake, but hey, you never know because ultimately they were going to go get him either way. He made the decision to plead guilty to a lesser charge, and as a result, now they want to sentence him to 120 days in prison. Well, I guess it beats 15 or 20 years, but that's about all you can say. Other than this is now the United Soviet States of America, and who are we kidding? And you heard that right, folks. A third of a year behind bars for a misdemeanor. And what was the misdemeanor? George Orwell had it right. The crime of believing that the right to free speech still existed in once free America. But as reprehensible as that is, yeah, well, we got more. Six Republicans, sick, the term is rhinos, folks, have filed a lawsuit in Colorado to remove actually elected President Donald Trump from the 2024 ballot. There, hey, who are we kidding? And again, tell me something we don't know. The election's rigged anyway. Why not just go ahead and take anybody that might be a threat right off the ballot? Then we don't have to worry about calculating how many ballots we need to stuff in those boxes in the wee hours of the morning after the election's over. But let me warn you, folks, just pondering whether or not there might be a lot of truth in that last statement is now a crime. Here's the story, again from TGP. The plaintiffs are called Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. How's that for a slap in the face? A nonprofit and so-called nonpartisan. Yeah, sure, both wings of that same evil bird of prey, don't you know? Along with a bunch of criminally evil law firms. I'm not even going to read the names of these things because they're probably out there conducting lawfare against anybody that does. The plaintiffs are a bunch of people that I never heard of anyway, but we'll get to a couple of them and give them the exposure they deserve in a second, too. But the case argues that Donald Trump... Trump, by winning the election, somehow violated Section 3 of the never ratified, but hey, when it matters, we're going to go ahead and use it against you anyway, 14th Amendment, a.k.a. the Red Amendment, which said that any individual who participated in the rebellion against the federal government back in the 1860s is barred from holding federal office if they have, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States. And guess what? Thought crimes, speech crimes, even admitting that you don't believe the election was the most honest in American history, now qualifies for that. And you, too, can't run for office. Hell, you don't even get to be free anymore when they get their way. According to the lawsuit, Donald Trump tried to overthrow the rigged 2020 presidential election because he cast doubt and undermined confidence in the rigging. So, violating the law, electronic chicanery, including voting machines that aren't supposed to be connected to the web, but were in violation of the law also, none of that constitutes undermining the confidence in a rigged election. Never mind kicking out election monitors while the counting was still going on and then putting up paper and cardboard in the windows so nobody could see what they were doing behind those doors. No, that's not a undermining of confidence. Is it really clear here why your host thinks the evidence, which is never, ever allowed to be talked about when it comes to prosecuting people for thinking it might matter, is not just damning but arguably insurmountable? 
after the election, they say, he knowingly sought to subvert our Constitution, not the one that was actually ratified. I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but guess what, folks? It doesn't have anything to do with a Bill of Rights and certain things that were called the rule of law. Due process, which ironically is mentioned right there in that 14th Amendment that they think is oh so important, except when it's not. And yeah, giving the state legislatures authority over the rigged elections, which the founders seem to think might make it a bit harder to subvert. I guess they were right. Anyway, they called it a sustained campaign of lies. Why? Because he contradicted their narrative. His efforts, they say, and I'm reading this crap, culminated on January 6, 2021, when he incited, exacerbated, and otherwise engaged in a violent insurrection at the United States Capitol by a mob who believed they were following his orders. Can anybody actually read this crap with a straight face? And he refused to protect the Capitol or call off his mob, they said, for nearly three hours as the attack unfolded. No mention, of course, here of the fact that he tried to call out the National Guard in advance so that they couldn't do exactly what Nancy Pelosi and all the others who had helped rig the election had planned and who they intended to blame it on. So he's therefore disqualified from ever being president again or even appearing on a ballot in any state that doesn't honor the Constitution anyway. Oh, wait a minute. There's even more of this BS. Quote, Racism and white supremacy, the same virulent ideologies that led to the Civil War and in its wake, the 14th Amendment, pervaded Trump's insurrection and the movement surrounding it. Yeah, folks, these people are almost as ignorant of American history, no surprise, as that thing that they refuse to read, the Constitution for these United States and the Bill of Rights. But the only thing they got right is, but they still miss the main point, the reason why there was a Civil War is because... The Constitution was pretty well a dead letter by the late 1850s anyway. The war to prevent Southern independence, as some call it rightfully, was simply a way of turning it into a roach motel. Remember the old commercial, roaches check in, states can check in too, but they never check out, no matter how much we gang rape what was once that rule of law thing. And that written contract that has now become a ahem, Living document, which means, well, it means exactly what we want it to mean. Nothing more, nothing less. The story goes on to say that former Colorado House and Senate Majority Leader Norma Anderson, Rhino, said in a statement, get this, spending 19 years as a state legislator and serving in leadership, sick, gave me the opportunity to work across the aisle and to always work to protect the freedoms our Constitution has given us as citizens. Don't you wish idiots like this actually ever read the document? They put their hand on a Bible, at least presumably, and swore to preserve, protect, and defend against all enemies, including those that they see when they look in the mirror? And just so it's clear, why do I say she's a blithering idiot? Because, given her own testimony here, you'd think she'd know that the Constitution doesn't give us any rights. It merely protects pre-existing rights that come from, oh, guess who? They don't like this either. God Almighty. And the purpose of government is to secure the rights that come from him. And ironically, folks, the Bill of Rights has nothing to do with us as citizens. It is a specific list of prohibitions against a central government, which is now clearly not only gang-raping those, but utterly out of control. So she's wrong, wrong, and triple wrong. i got to ask, is it possible that she really is that ignorant? I guess. Look at the swamp they swim in.
Meanwhile, Krista Kafer, a so-called conservative columnist for the Denver Compost and a rhino herself, offered her stance. And if you think this sounds like a sellout whore, we're on the same page. Quote, as a longtime Republican who voted for him, I believe Donald Trump disqualified himself from running in 2024. Yeah, wonder who got to her, don't you? By spreading lies, vilifying election workers, and fomenting an attack on the Capitol. Unquote. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid is stupid does, Mrs. Blue. I guess. You've probably heard the old joke, folks, about America's two-party system. There's the evil party and the stupid party. Stories like this seem to suggest we've gone well beyond that. Oh, and let me point out one other thing. If you think that there are just a few leftist cesspool, corrupt big cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York City, and yeah, Denver, that are going to try to pull this and foist it on the people of a mostly honest and actually law-abiding state, think again. We've seen this coming. It's been obvious for a long time now, and this is precisely how they intend to pre-rig the election and make sure that you might as well not even bother thinking there's going to be a 2024 election. Because they've gotten away with it so far, they're not only silencing any opposition, they intend to cow anybody who dares to see through it into complete silence. And now they don't even need to pretend to count the votes. Two more quick stories that make the same point. A Yavapai County, Arizona judge last week ruled in favor of something called the Arizona Free Enterprise Club and restoring integrity and trust in elections in a recent lawsuit that seeks to prohibit the criminally evil Arizona Secretary of State from enforcing various illegal election procedures (laughs) relating to, get this, mail-in ballot signature verification. Oh, you're a bigot. You're a white supremacist, undoubtedly a terrorist, if you think we need to verify signatures. In this case, the exception that proves the rule is Judge John Knapper, who rejected motions to dismiss, filed by the uh, criminally evil Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, a former cartel lawyer, and me familia vota. Pedro, su familia, no vota. A far-left so-called Democrat nonprofit. And the judge ruled in his order that, quote, the court finds the special action states a claim upon which relief can be granted. The court finds that the plaintiffs have correctly defined registration record. And the 2019 EPM creates a process that contradicts. And basically, that's the emergency that they use, folks, to override the right of people in Arizona to actually have their votes counted. Anyway, it contradicts the plain language of Arizona Revised Statute, Section 16-550A. Therefore, said the judge, this portion of that emergency, the EPM, and the instruction from the secretary, get this, do not have the force of law. Says Jordan Conradson for the Gateway Pundit, this is how they steal elections in Arizona. Hundreds of thousands of fraudulent ballots are trafficked or inserted with no chain of custody, no documentation, and then someone forges a signature. Sometimes all it takes is a random scribble on an affidavit. And basically, what they did to get away with is just ignore the fact that everybody can tell the signatures are bogus and the registrations are, well, just as bogus. But does that mean the fraud has been overturned? Of course not. And uh, it ain't over yet. The fat lady not only hadn't sung, 
they're out there still rigging elections. How about this related piece? Comes from Michigan. Where, says Patty McMurray for the Gateway Pundit, we found the fraud. The same Michigan clerk who reported fraudulent voter registrations to police has shared photos of a box of registrations from the Michigan Secretary of State marked PPE and that were delivered only one day before the election, but managed to somehow contain two-month-old registrations inside. And uh, if you read the whole story here, some inside baseball, clerks complaining about getting last-minute voter registrations from the Bureau of Elections. We got 34 of them at 10 p.m. on Friday, many dated back to mid-June and early July, yet as clerks were expected to respond to requests within 24 hours of receiving them. Yeah, me too, me too, me too, say other emails. But why doesn't the Secretary of State have to do the same thing? There's example after example in here, all kinds of people chiming in and saying, yeah, what's going on? Ultimately, all pointing out the same thing. This is just crooked as all hell. Who cares? Since they don't intend to change anything anyway, and they're already getting away with doing it all over again. Now we'll change gears, folks, but not the theme. This is still tell me something I don't know. The good news is occasionally people that seem to have not known or at least pretended to feign ignorance are getting to the point where they can't do that anymore. One example, Megan Kelly, who said this on Wednesday. I regret getting the vaccine, even though I'm a 52-year-old woman, because I don't think I needed it. I think I would have been fine. I'd got COVID many times and I, it was well past when the vac- vaccine was doing what it was supposed to be doing. Um, and then for the first time, I tested positive for an autoimmune issue at my annual physical. Mm. And I asked, I went to the best rheumatologist in New York and I asked her, do you think this could have to do with the fact that I got the damn booster and then got COVID within three weeks? And she said, yes. And that, folks, is actually the most amazing part of this entire segment. Megan Kelly seems to have been waking up for a while now. It's good to see she's finally figured it out. Hopefully she'll get the rest of it, too. But what's amazing to me is that in New York, she found a doctor that was willing to come out and tell us what we already all knew if we weren't worried about having our licenses revoked. And that is, of course the damn vaccine is going to cause problems. Of course it destroys your immune system. No, it wasn't tested, and everybody knew it except those of us who kept our mouths shut for too long because we were either on the take... Or just too ignorant and self-absorbed to actually care about our patients. Yes, I wasn't the only one she'd seen that with. Of course not. But now, it's openly being admitted. Here's a bit more good news from an equally unlikely source. Huntington Beach, California, dubbed Surf City, USA, is a city, as you might expect, on the Southern California coastline in Orange County. And before the state was completely taken over by the Communist Chinese Party, it was called a traditionally conservative enclave, and it boasted a bunch of multi-million dollar beachfront properties. But the Huntington Beach City Council on Wednesday voted 4-3 to three to ban universal mask and vaccine mandates. And Mayor Pro Tem Gracie Vandermark blasted the idiotic mask mandates previously imposed during the height of the COVID hysteria pandemic in 2020 and 21 and said that masks, quote, unnecessarily limited the freedoms of the citizens of Huntington Beach, even those who weren't around anyone who tested positive for COVID-19 or was at any risk of exposure, unquote. The story is not without irony, though. In covering the very same event, the leftist Daily Mail out of the UK has a headline that says this, 
Huntington Beach votes to ban, they put it in all caps, mask and COVID vaccine mandates across the city amid fears, they note, and here's the booga, 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 folks, of a triple-demic, ooh, that sounds scary, doesn't it, in California of coronavirus, flu, and RSV. So, yes, this is not acceptable. How dare they ban things that don't make any difference with any of that anyway. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Good little slaves wear their mask regardless. And furthermore, when we say jump, you ask how high. Item. Looks like one other company has joined the ESG woke list of companies that have sold out to the uh, almighty state. Liberty Safe, say at least two witnesses, has given the access codes to customers' safes. These are the electronic ones that they basically won't let you change anyway. To the FBI, Achtung, the American Gestapo. And in the process, says Hal Turner's summary anyway, they've become the latest new company to go Bud Light. Liberty Safe sells gun safes, it says, at least they used to, and other things to patriots. But they admitted that they store access codes and combinations and managed to give such info to the FBI and allowing them to search a customer's safe over what else? The January 6th. We know better than you what an election looks like, so-called protest. And in so doing, says Hal Turner, Liberty Safe may have done a Bud Light to the business's future. Let me make a quick aside here, folks. If you've got one of these electronic so-called safes that you can't change the electronic combination on, you don't have a safe. Unlike the old mechanical ones, which you can actually get a locksmith or learn how to do yourself and simply change it away from the factory combination to something that you know and at least Big Brother doesn't have a record of, unless you're stupid enough to talk about it around your cell phone or toaster oven, what we've seen here is that these so-called electronic safes arguably aren't worth having. And it gets worse, notes the story. On August 30 of this year, just a little while back, the FBI raided the owner of that safe, Arkansas man Nathan Hughes. And not only did Liberty give them access to his safe, but the FBI also allegedly turned off his security cameras, all the better to do whatever we want, and held his girlfriend at gunpoint. I guess the good news is they didn't kill anybody. But you could argue the message got sent, and everybody knows they could have. And we all know what would have happened, too. Uh, nothing. In a statement, Liberty Safe confirmed they gave the Gestapo, or uh, the Federal Bureau of Instigation, Hughes's code. They were contacted, they said, by the FBI requesting the access code, and they had a warrant. So, hey, who are we to stand in the way of the police state? But then they claim this, Liberty Safe is devoted to protecting the personal property and Second Amendment rights of our customers, unquote, as long as our bread stays butter side up. From there, let's just stop a second, take a look at some things that are certainly front and center on people's minds as we head into the fall. There has been a lot of not unwarranted speculation of late, folks, that if the deep state is unable to continue their character assassination and transparent attempts at torturous interference to pre-rig the upcoming presidential election and destroy President Donald Trump by any means necessary in the process, they may end up just deciding they have to go ahead and kill him. But that's not what worrying me. It's how to do it. These things must be done delicately or you hurt the staff. So I guess really there's no doubt about it. They do have to be careful, and certainly Team Trump knows that it's a very likely alternative if they fail to do the other things they've been working so hard on now for at least six years or so. But it's always interesting to think through the logistical problems the deep state is dealing with. Like, for example, there's a senile cretin in diapers occupying, allegedly at least, the resolute desk in the Oval Office. Literally everybody, and I do mean everybody at this point, except for the terminally stupid, knows that that can't possibly last. 
But almost as unbelievable, there's an incompetent moron literally waiting in the wings. If it's possible, she might even have a lower approval rating than the bribe-taking big guy himself. And while she doesn't have the excuse that she's senile, she's undeniably a cackling incompetent. And the left has another problem with her, too, especially when it comes to their feminazi base, because all of them know exactly how she got there. And the problem is, there's absolutely no polite way to put it. She uh, clearly effed her way into the number two slot. So what to do, what to do? Yeah, as the Wicked Witch put it correctly, these things must be done delicately. So political observers, I guess you'd have to put it that way, all over the political spectrum are asking the question, how do you think they're going to get rid of all three of them? Clearly the Biden viewer has to die in office or at least have some kind of an accident that makes his departure look plausibly deniable while not coming right out and admitting, oh yeah, he's been gone for a long time. Far better, of course, if they can blame some white domestic terrorist right-wing extremists for it and uh, maybe ban some guns at the same time. Well, as I've said, there's been no shortage of speculation, even stories about plots that might unfold and insiders coming forward to reveal what they might have been. Since they certainly at this point can't be proven, I don't put much stock in any of that. But I do, however, see this next story as a genuine warning. Call it a word to the wise. It comes from the Daily Mail about the wannabe replacement fuhrer and current dictator of California, the evil scumbag Gavin Newsom, who has, according to the British headline, shut down. Any chance of him running in 2024? The Democrat says Kamala is lined up to replace the 80-year-old Biden Fuhrer if he drops out. And he tells donors to stop wallowing over the dire polls and get behind Joe. Biden is going to run, he said, and he's looking forward to getting him reelected. But he couldn't imagine running against Kamala Harris, even though the Daily Mail says Newsom has long been seen because he's so evil and clearly anti-constitutional as a presidential contender. He told NBC News sycophant talking head Chuck Todd, we need to move past this notion that he's not going to run. There's been a lot of hand-wringing, he says, but we're, quote, gearing up for the campaign. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, folks, the Daily Mail seems to think he shut the door on his lust for the Oval Office. This time, anyway. All of which inclines your host to think, wow, that certainly sounds like the kind of denial that indicates the you-know-what is about ready to hit the fan. Trump's bodyguards ought to be extra vigilant, and if Biden wasn't so clueless, he'd probably be better off watching his own backside. Oops, wait a minute, nasty pun there, not intended. Still, folks, these are the kind of stories that make us think something really is up. Whether it's the inevitable currency meltdown that will ultimately destroy the U.S. dollar, still, though, the question is when, how long does it have, and no one knows for sure exactly when the end will be, just that it's coming, maybe even overdue, Likewise, the swamp seems to be double-dogged there in Russia to nuke us. More and more of their officials seem to be saying nuclear escalation is now inevitable. Likewise, the Biden Fuhrer is way past his sell-by date. But we don't know yet how or when they'll stick the fork in him. Just that it's coming. So anyway, you slice it, folks. This is certainly a good time for those with eyes to see and ears to hear to keep them open. <laughs> 